0: our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're on Amen. a curveball here, because John always does a gospel reading, and there isn't a gospel reading. So I call it a gospel reading. So you call it a gospel reading, <laughs> but you're okay on that because this verse here is from Genesis chapter 3. First book in the Bible. So we're right in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. And we have here this promise from God. It's right after Adam and Eve have, have sinned, and the world has fallen. And God issues a promise that one will come. One will come. And this one who will come, he will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and this one will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. The theologians call this the proto-evangelium, which means Latin for the first gospel. The first word of gospel. So it is the holy gospel. You're spot on, John. Spot on. It's that first gospel message, that one, the promised one, the Messiah, will arrive one day, and this one will defeat Satan. He will crush his head. But in the process, Satan will injure the Messiah, the promised one of God. We continue that throughout the centuries. We come to Isaiah chapter 9, which Natalie read for us today. And Isaiah speaks these words of prophecy 700 years before the birth of Jesus. He writes these down approximately around 700 B.C. And he also says, this promised one of God, the one promised way back in Genesis chapter 3, let me tell you a little bit more about him. In fact, let me tell you his names. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Go ahead and keep that out. That's going to be the sermon for today. We're going to focus on those names of the Messiah. If you have your Bible, bring that out. If you don't have your Bible with you, go ahead and bring it with you. You can highlight in it. You can mark it up. The best Bible is the Bible with all your stuff in it. It's got your shopping list in it. It's got stuff falling out of it. It's got highlights in it. You're writing in it. If you're like, dude, I got, come on, 21st century. It's got, go ahead and bring out your phone. You got your Bible on your phone or your iPad. Bring that out. Make some notes, highlight it, whatever you want to do. Because there's a text for us right there. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Handel made it famous in his song, Messiah. You know it? Wonderful. I'd sing it for you, but I want you all to stay, so I'm not going to sing it for you. But I hope you've heard the song. If you haven't heard it, go home and Google it. It's really, really good. And Handel puts these eight words, these names of the Messiah, into music, and they communicate so much. We're going to walk through them together. The first one he has on there is Wonderful Counselor. And when you and I hear the term counselor, we think of uh, a professional who uh, is paid to to listen, right? They listen to you, and they give you counsel. And uh, it's not quite true how it was in, in those days. In those days, a counselor was an advisor, usually to the king. And the king had his counselors with him. And when the king needed to make a decision, he would consult with his counselors, and then the king would decide when I was in college, I had the gift of a great counselor, Dr. Vasconcelos. He was this big chubby guy, he was huge. We, we, he, looked, he had the, this beard, and we, he looked like, uh, like Santa, but if you called him Santa, you got in trouble. <laughs> so we didn't call him Santa. But he looked like Santa with a, with a brown beard, Dr. Vasconcelos. And I was in college, and I was a psych major, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And so I made an appointment with Dr. Vasconzelos. And I sit down with him in this little tiny office. I don't know how he fit in it. And I said, Dr. Vasconzelos, I don't know what to do. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm going to college, and I I need to do something with my life, but I'm not sure what. He goes, well, what do you feel like doing most of the time? I said, you know what, Dr. Vasconzelos, 51% of the time, I feel like being a pastor. And 49% of the time, I feel like being a, a psychologist. And he said, well, go be a pastor. If it changes, you change. I said, really? It's that, that's it? It's that, it's that easy? Yeah, it's that easy. Anything else? <laughs> I'm like, no. No, I think that's about it. Thank you very much for your time. And it's never changed ever since, you know? He's a good counselor. He had good advice. Good wisdom. I pray you have the gift of having a good counselor in your life. Someone you go to and say, "I need you to speak wisdom into your li- into my life. I need you to pray with me over this decision because I'm not sure what to do." I pray you have good counselors in your life. If you don't, I pray you have a good small group you can go to, like Will and Kelly's, the one after church that meets here. Women's one on Tuesday mornings. Get involved. And when you're there, you can say, you know what? I'm rusted with this issue. Can we pray about this together? Because I need some counselors with me. But this Messiah goes one step further. He's not just a counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. And in Hebrew, the word for wonderful is, you're going to love this, Pele. Like the soccer guy, Pele? (laughs) It's pronounced the exact same way. Pele. Do you remember Pele? Pele? Go home, YouTube Pele. And Pele is the most wonderful soccer player ever in the history of the world. And if you disagree with me, there's something wrong with you. Because you haven't seen Pele before. You YouTube Pele clips, and he plays at a different speed from everyone else. It's unbelievable. You might even say it's wonderful. But in the Bible, the Bible used the term wonderful or wonders, it's often referring to miraculous, miracles. So many times in the gospel, it talks about Jesus performing signs and wonders. In fact, in Psalm 78, it says, God did wonders in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt. And so this counselor is not only giving great advice, this counselor makes it happen because this counselor can do miracles. This counselor is a wonderful counselor, a divine counselor. The second name that we have for this Messiah is this mighty God. Mighty God. In Hebrew, the word for mighty is gabor. Gabor, you do not need to remember that for your salvation, but that's the word, gabor. And it means mighty deeds or mighty valor. It's a word you would describe for a hero or a mighty Warrior you're bored. Some years ago, I had the privilege of going to an event at at Four Eagle Ranch and and they had uh, two people there I really wanted to meet. One was actor Gary Sinise. So I met actor Gary Sinise and uh, super nice guy, shorter than he appears in this movie screen. (laughs) I'm just going to say, I am taller than the guy who saved Apollo 13. Really? Short, about, about this tall, super nice guy. But who I really wanted to meet was Medal of Honor recipient Sammy Davis. And so I, I called my dad before we were going. I said, "Dad, I'm going to meet the Medal of Honor winner, Sammy Davis." And my dad is uh, retired military, and he jumped all over me, just jumped on me. He says, "Son, he is not." a Medal of Honor winner. It's not a prize. He earned it It's a Medal of Honor recipient. Don't ever say Medal of Honor winner. Because he's earned your respect. Met him that night, heard his story, and he is a Medal of Honor recipient, Sammy Davis. A phenomenal, phenomenal man. He is a Gabor, mighty, mighty man of valor. And when Isaiah describes this Messiah, this Jesus, he describes him as mighty, a hero, not just mighty hero, but mighty God, mighty God. The word for God here is the same one used in Genesis 1. This is mighty God, mighty creator, all powerful. It's a God who fights for you. That's a mighty God. A mighty God is one who fights on your behalf, who does valiant deeds in your favor. It's a mighty God. It gets even better. Everlasting Father is the next title. In the Old Testament, God is often referred to as a father. And God is father of the peoples. He's father of the nation. He's father of the Israelites. And Jesus, when he teaches us to pray, he he does a little shift here. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Say, our father. In essence, what Jesus is saying is, when you pray, God is your father. He's not just father of the nation. He's not just father of the peoples. He's your father. And this God, Father God, treats you as a good, good dad. In fact, Jesus, when he teaches the disciples to pray, he says, when he prays, say, uh, Abba. And if you go to uh, Israel today and you hear kids on the street, they will say, Abba, which is translated daddy. That's what you call your dad. It's a close, personal relationship. It's not father. It's dad. Our dad. And this God loves you like a good, good dad. He's there when you need him. Protects when you need protection. Comforts, we need comfort. Kicks in the butt, we need a kick in the butt. We don't like to say that these days anymore, right? God God protects me, God comforts me, God provides for me. And then when God instructs and disciplines, we're like, no, 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 I don't want that God. I want the God who just treats me like Santa Claus treats me. But God loves you too much to treat you that way because he's a good dad. And good dad's love and gives you what you need. But it's an odd name for this text. Because remember the very beginning of it, Isaiah says, unto you a child is born. Unto you a son is given. And it's very odd to call this child father. It's a weird name remember when I was called father the first time? My daughter Emma was just born, just a couple days old. And uh, I went back to the church I was serving at and this guy walks to my office and says, how you doing, dad? And I turned around to look to see who he was talking to. (laughs) And he actually said to me, no, I'm I'm talking to you. You're the dad now. I'm like, oh. (laughs) Oh, that means... That means work. Oh, I've never done this job before. To call this child a father is very weird. It doesn't fit in the text. So Isaiah describes this father and why this child can be called father because this child is everlasting. It's an everlasting father. This baby is God in the flesh? It's an everlasting father. It's the only way why you can call the father everlasting of this baby. Get in? It's a beautiful, beautiful way that Isaiah is prophesying the birth of Jesus. It's often said that Jesus isn't mentioned in the Old Testament, there's no mention of the Trinity in the Old Testament. But it's all right here. Because Isaiah chapter 9 doesn't make sense any other way unless we understand Jesus as God in the flesh. Why else would he describe someone who's going to come who who isn't God the Father, but this person is a, a mighty God, a wonderful counselor, miraculous counselor, and an everlasting Father? It all adds up. The one who is coming. This child to be born, this son to be given to you is God in the flesh. And it all wraps up in this one last name, Prince of Peace. When Isaiah prophesies this, in Isaiah chapter 9, the nation of Judah is at war. And the current king, King Ahaz, is not doing a very good job of it. And when you're reading the Bible, it gets confusing sometimes, because there's lots of names you never know if I'm reading the name of a, a good guy or a bad person, right? So the easiest way to tell is to say, do I know anyone today named after this person? <laughs> That's the easiest way to tell. So do you know anyone named Mary? Okay, good. Mary. You know people, you know lots of Mary's. Do you know anyone named Jezebel? <laughs> you don't, do you? No Jezebels, alright? So Jezebel bad. Mary good. Got it? Ahaz. Know anyone named Ahaz? Right. Ahaz, bad. That's the easiest way to tell. Know any Isaiahs? A couple Isaiahs? No, Isaiah. Isaac. Isaac. How about Isaac? Close enough. We'll roll with it. All right? Anyway, Ahaz. Not a good king. And so Isaiah prophesies that one will come, a prince of peace. And if you're a nation at war and you're knowing you're experiencing the horror of war what do you want a prince of peace we've been blessed as a nation we haven't really known the horror of war we've known horrors of war it's been bad we've known people who've lost their lives in war which is horrible we haven't been a nation under siege since the civil war we didn't experienced the, the blitz of London World War II the bombings Germany, Russia, everywhere you go to the Middle East right now and boy they are praying for a prince of peace you go to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are worshipping secretly quietly they are praying for a prince of peace people around the world are desperate for peace Isaiah says one is coming and he will be the prince of peace he's prince of peace because he brings eternal peace see if the wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father is on your side then you have guidance in uncertain times you have protection in hard times you have comfort in scary times but this Prince of Peace also brings e- eternal peace. See, Isaiah chapter 9 prophesies the birth of Jesus. But Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 prophesies the purpose of Jesus. Isaiah writes this, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And it was right. It's a pretty good section of scripture. give a song as a gift to the world but this Jesus this Jesus is a gift to you so my prayer for you this Advent season is that you might know the wonderful counsel of God my prayer for you this Advent season is that you might know this mighty God and my prayer for you this Advent season that so you might know God as your everlasting father and you will know peace the prince of peace can we pray Lord Jesus thank you thank you for Christmas thank you that you came into your world in such a humble way My, we're going to need your peace this Christmas season, Lord. <clears throat> um, it's crazy. It's challenging sometimes. We need peace. We need peace both physically. We need peace spiritually. We need peace internally and externally. Lord Jesus, we need your peace. And the way we'll, need, we'll know your peace, Lord, is to know you To know you as a wonderful counselor. As mighty God. As everlasting Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting. Amen. Stand and praise your God.